Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up, as always, where we left off. In the book of Leviticus, that's the third book in the Old Testament, so it's the third book in the Bible. Um, And we're at chapter 7. And like I keep saying, uh, we focus on the red letters on Saturday night, things Jesus had to say. This is the Old Testament, so you aren't going to see any red letters, any quotes of Jesus in the Old Testament. So, um... Keep that in mind if you are a Christian, uh, you know, a red letter Christian, someone who's actually seeing what Jesus has to say and does it, doing it, uh, um, then keep that in mind because Jesus will reflect back on some of these uh, passages and verses from the Old Testament. But um, and some of them he'll use as teaching tools. Sometimes he'll use them to um, uh, confront or when he's confronted by religious leaders. So he'll use their own teachings uh, against them, so to speak. So um, that's the significance of why we focus on the Old Testament on our Monday and Wednesday readings and save the Saturday readings for what Jesus has to say. And that's also because there's less of what Jesus has to say in the Bible. Those red letters, you'll only find them in case this is your first time reading with me. In those, um, in only six of the 60 plus books in the Bible. That's a tenth. That's a tithe. That's probably something for us Christians to recognize and adhere to. Uh, so that's what we do on our Saturday readings. And uh, on these Mondays and Wednesdays, Mondays and Wednesdays, excuse me, we're in the Old Testament and we've, we're up to the third book now. So let's begin. Chapter 7 of Leviticus. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. So we've read in the last few chapters about these different quote unquote laws that are quote unquote perpetual meaning you're supposed to still be doing them now and they were said to be given by the lord to moses um and yet i don't i've never been to a church that does any of these things or at least all of these things if you're doing the like the animal sacrifices that's supposed to be still being done now and i'm sure like i said before i'm sure there's some uh, houses of worship that do in the world but generally speaking uh, it doesn't happen in um in america and around the world uh, but it does say it's forever so keep that in mind why aren't these bible thumpers doing these things so this is what's going to be considered most holy um at the next offering and that's just going to be an animal sacrifice and we'll read through it because it's kind of rep- repetitive of the way the animals are to be slaughtered butchered and burned for a sacrifice as the other chapters say so there's really no need to dwell on them too long i'll just read on through them so let's keep going verse two in the place where they kill the burnt offering they shall kill the trespass offering and its blood he shall sprinkle all around on the altar so we've gone over that before too with those blood ceremonies and how dangerous that would be to be doing now in modern times and if it is being done you could see another covid popping up verse three and he shall offer from it all its fat the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails so uh, again with the fat fetish or fat uh philia it seems that uh these offerings of of the offerings of the animals for some reason the fat is especially liked by the deities being it's being offered to verse four the two kidneys and the fat that is on them the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove 
so the uh, guts, it's uh, how to deal with them. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It's a, it is a trespass offering. So those guts, um, you know, those those parts of the animal on the inside the car, uh, are to be offered uh, by the priest as a, a trespass offering, meaning some in some way you must have offended. Um, it'd be like getting pulled over or cited for a ticket. Uh, you've offended in that and you have to make it right by uh, paying for it. And in this case, with religion, in this case, you have to do it by with these animal sacrifices. Verse 6, every male among the priests may eat it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. So uh, it says, burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. That sort of implies that it's burnt up like you would burn up a... Uh, incense or um, something but apparently not you're just cooking it you're barbecuing it because as you see with the very next verse uh the people get to eat it but not the people specifically the priests get to eat it and it's considered most holy so if it's it it's saying it explicitly in this case and in a couple other cases it says explicitly that you're supposed to burn it up to the ashes so that all of it's consumed but i'd have to think that every other time that it doesn't say specifically they're barbecuing it they're just eating it but not everyone again it's fattening up and making provisions for the 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 religion, the people who are the heads of the religion, giving the people the messages um, that seem to have got amalgamated with the message Moses got up on the mountaintop as what the people ought to be doing. Verse 7, the trespass offering is like the sin offering. There is one law for both for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. So the priest who get who makes the offering is the one who gets the keep that uh gets to uh have it as it doesn't mean he has, he has to eat it all himself and it is just he's back then probably even now in a lot of religion i know even now in a lot of religions but uh in certain branches of this religion i'm not sure if women are allowed to um serve sir uh serve or not and i definitely don't know if a transgender person will be allowed to serve in that case then since technically we're still males biologically even if not sociologically um I wonder, but uh, well, anyway, back then, um, the priest gets to have that too. So those guts and stuff that probably nowadays most people would turn their nose up at, um, or actually a lot of highfalutin folks would probably consider them a, a, a delicacy because that's what they are now. That's why they call them sweetbreads and stuff, chitlins and livers and all of that's those parts. That's what the priest gets to have as um the one who offered it verse 9 also every grain offering that is ba baked in the oven and all that is prepared in the covered pan or in a pan shall be the priest who offers it so again the priest can, is going to be eating good he's not going to be missing a meal if he's doing his service there and maybe that's the uh point for these so like people who are in religion like the evangelical these um televangelists and things that's what they usually will tell you they're blessed so abundantly with jets and mansions um that they don't use to house people who are homeless or anything like that but they have them uh because they're tending to their to the religion so it seems that's what's happening here they get to keep the bread also that is baked 
that is offered. And when it says offered, again, like we read in the previous chapters, that doesn't mean the whole thing or even the whole animal is what gets uh, burnt up or barbecued uh, when it comes to bread and flour, because that's what's being offered, what's what's been mentioned as being offered so far and animals and things. A memorial portion gets burnt up in the fire and the rest the priests get. And in this case, it's letting you know which priests specifically get to keep it. Verse 10, every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. So the grain offerings, they share and share alike. It's not like um, like the animals and things, but the things like the flour, if somebody offers that, then all of them get to share in that. And um, interesting that the lowest valued offering, I would, I mean, as far as commodities go, is what gets to be shared that way instead of the most expensive but it's religion verse 11 this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings which he shall offer to the lord so now we're moving on to peace offerings i um i suppose it's to make peace with god make peace with the lord verse 12 if he offers it up for a thanksgiving if he offers it for a thanksgiving then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. So this is starting to sound like a, a Uber Eats order where it's saying the Lord, but would the Lord really be this concerned with the menu? Is You're supposed to be giving there, the priests are giving the orders to the people of what kind of offerings they need to bring and what offering needs to be. Whether uh, it whether it's a, has to be a male animal or a female animal or how many chickens or pigeons or doves they have to bring to offer. And now it's even telling them how to bake the bread and how it needs to be offered. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to mock any of it. I'm just saying, do you really think that God is the one who's uh, behind all this? Verse 13, besides the cakes as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. So um, the bread isn't just isn't all when you offer that. You have to also offer um, with it this. And when it says the bread with unleavened, unleavened bread, it means bread that isn't puffed up and risen. So it's not sandwich bread. It's more like pita bread or naan or uh, an iro or even a tortilla, like that kind of bread rather than something big and puffy, or like Wonder Bread or something. Uh, verse 14, And from it he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. So the priest gets to keep this offering also, even though it's dedicated to the Lord. So it's letting the people know, you can dedicate this peace offering, I presume it's to make peace with um after you've you know confessed the sin or whatnot and been forgiven of it now you can make a peace offering so that everything's cool so to speak and so when you do that you have to act, include that with the offering verse 15 the feast of the sacrifice of his peace offering for i'm sorry the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered he shall not leave any of it until morning so um eat the meat right away don't save it um 
as far as we know, they didn't have refrigerators back then, but they did have ice, so maybe that's how stuff was preserved. But, um, you know, saved like a refrigerator back then. Um, but in the case of this offering, they're to eat it all up and don't save any of it. Sort of like how the manna was um, um, to be handled. Eaten right then, that day, not saved up for another day because it would breed worms. Except for, mystically, uh, the day before the Sabbath. The preparation day, you could pile up as, twice as much as what you need for two days worth. And then, it didn't breed worms or stink. It stayed fresh to let us know, uh, according to the narrative, it's supernatural, it's a miracle involved. Verse 16, but if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice, but on the next day, the remainder of it also may be eaten. So, as um, uh, how to differentiate between the two different offerings, if it's uh, this kind of offering, uh you know a voluntary offering rather than an ob obligatory offering rather than being cited for um some offense or you know convicted in your own conscience by some sin you feel you may have committed instead if is this a voluntary offering just like you just feel like being generous and giving um in this case it'd be in the religion to the priest then that's how it's to be handled. Verse 17, it can, it can, it doesn't have to be eaten all the same day. It can um, be eaten, it can be leftovers. Verse 17, the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. So after three days, burn it up, which I use that as a pretty general rule of thumb when it comes to food anyway. Um, any leftovers by that third day, I don't usually eat them, especially if you didn't do uh, of course if you didn't do something like preserve it like uh in the freezer or some ziplock or airlock it or whatever verse 18 and if any man if and if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day it shall not be accepted nor shall it be imputed imputed to him it shall be an abomination to him who offers it and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt so uh, officially when after, um, on that third day it's off limits it becomes just like pork where you're um it's an offense to even eat it or if they do eat it it's a sin to them if the, the one who eats it let's see verse 19 the flesh that and it sounds like it's the person who eats it yeah not the priest yeah the priest doesn't get the guilt i guess unless it's the priest who's eating it let's see verse 19 yeah it looks like the priest is the one who is to be offended and turned off by an offering the third day um 19 the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten it shall be burned with fire and as for the clean flesh all who are clean may eat of it so um the flesh that touches any unclean thing oh so like if the if you have the offering the animal that you're sacrificing and it touches something unclean like some bacon that you may have in the kitchen because that's considered unclean or some lobster uh, in the kitchen or some butter all of those are considered unclean and off limits according to the uh, last few chapters that we're reading uh, according to this book 
of Leviticus. So uh, if you're a Bible thumper, you shouldn't have any of those things in your kitchen. No butter, no ghee, no lard, no tallow. All of those are animal fats. The fat is the Lord's according to Leviticus. So if you're living by the Old Testament and abiding by the New somehow, then I don't know how you square that circle or circle that square, square that circle. Um, except with hypocrisy, which is the usual tool of Bible thumpers. Um, so the clean flesh, though, uh, it's fine. It didn't touch the, the, the pork or the lobster or the butter. So you can go ahead and eat it. Verse 20, but the person who eats the flesh, the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. So you get excommunicated if you are unclean, say like you come in contact with some bodily fluids that are off limits, like male bodily fluids, which ones you know I'm talking about, or female blood from her menstruation. If you come in contact with that somehow, then you're uh, considered unclean. So if you do either one of those things or anything like those things and come in contact with them even if you don't know it like you're on a bed where something happened that you don't know about um you're still considered unclean you just don't know it and then when you find out about it then you have to make atonement for it we read that in the last few chapters also so um here is letting us know uh about clean and unclean and how you deal with it um but the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the... Oh, that's the one we just read. Sorry. Um, but it says you get cut off. So I don't know if that means like you're no one's talking to you anymore. You're like black, blacklisted where you can't uh, show up at the synagogue, the temple, the holy place anymore. Uh, it says you're cut off. Verse 21, moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness, an unclean animal, or any abominable unclean thing, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. So when it says the uh, any abominable unclean thing, um, there's a little uh, footnote to it or, you know, a mess. Uh, uh, there's an attachment to it here on if you use the blueletterbible.org website, you can see that there's a attachment and the attachment to the unclean thing, the abominable, abominable unclean thing has sort of a further explanation of it. And here's the explanation. It says following the Maseratic, Maseratic, excuse me, Maseratic text, Septuagint and Vulgate, Samaritan, Pentateuch, Syriac, and Targum read swarming thing. So it's saying if you touch, so first it's saying all those there are different, basically, basically different historical biblical sources where the scriptures are derived from. And forgive me if I pronounced any of them wrong, and I'm sure it must have. Um, that's what that's all those are talking about. So it's saying in all those different texts or reference books or references, it's um, they read differently. They don't say on any uh, or any um, they do not say or any abominable unclean thing. Instead, they say uh, swarming thing. So it would mean, um, I guess, you know, like flies, bees, bugs, those sort of things. Although some of those are considered food. Because uh, remember, John the Baptist ate locusts, but uh, so 
it's specific ones that you can and can't eat and i think it goes into it further uh, just like with the lobster and stuff later on the whole dietary uh, uh forbidden list um so it's saying in this case though a person who touches any of those things again the lobster the crabs the pig the pork the bacon if you touch any of that stuff uh then you're uh it, it, or human uncleanness like the bodily fluids like i mentioned before um if you touch any of those and then come in contact with the peace offering that belongs to the lord meaning the uh, the the priest uh, let's see how can we explain it the if you are basically fooling the priest like you know that you're unclean by the different regulations that it's required that call it unclean like I said, by those different animals or whatnot, if you've even touched any of those things or come in contact with those things and still presume to take part in the offering, it's saying uh, you get cut off. So it's basically like if you're trying to pull one over and get over on God by pretending like you didn't offend in whatever sin you know you offended in and still just because you still want to eat part of that offering, then um, you get cut off also. Let's see. Verse 21. Moreover, the person who... Wait, I think we just read that, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we did. So, verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... And we went over that again and again about the Lord speaking to Moses. Uh, and how the New Testament says, uh, no one has seen God at any time. And Jesus says, they've not seen, heard his voice or seen his form. So, when it says the Lord spoke to Moses... I don't know how that's happening uh, unless he's speaking to him through uh, some sort of technology or some sort of intermediary where Moses is hearing his voice but not actually hearing his voice like an angel is delivering the message although it doesn't say that and when it says when that's the case it usually says that so it doesn't seem like that's the case and like I said it could be technology where he's getting it so then it's like if you're reading a text it'll say hey Misha's saying this to you I'm not actually saying it to you verbally, but I'm still saying it to you in text. So, I mean, how else can you explain the Moses continually getting these messages, although it says spoke to him uh, from the Lord when other parts of the Bible say no one's heard his voice. Um, So that would either mean technologies involved that is unclear or some intermediary is involved that's unclear or unsaid or this isn't. God Almighty, who they're who's they're saying they they're getting this message from, verse twenty three. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, "You shall not eat any fat, or of of ox, or sheep, or goat." So there goes a lot of milk fats, especially if you do goat's milk or sheep's milk. Say like their cheeses, there's fat in those. Um, and as far as the ox, that'd be like cow fat, like tallow. Can't eat that either. And it says any fat. That would mean butter. That's actually fat also. And so you aren't supposed to eat any of those things. And it says speak to the children of Israel. So that's a command not just for the priests. That's for everyone uh, in the congregation. Verse 24. So again, if you're a Bible thumping uh, person, right winger generally in this country, uh, and you believe that the whole Bible is what you need to be doing, then you're a hypocrite if you're not doing that. If you're not avoiding butter and all those other animal fats, lard and tallow and the rest, then you're a hypocrite. You're 
not abiding by what it you could read it right there that it says i am a christian a red letter christian of that so jesus doesn't in, uh impose all any of these things on us so that's how i make sense of it and plus like i said before i don't believe that what's everything in the bible that when people say they're uh, talking with the Lord is actually the Lord. It may be some spiritual entity. It may be um, someone just making stuff up and it made it into the Bible or maybe um, um, something else. But I don't think it's the Lord in every case. Absolutely. Oh, that's what I was going to say. And I think it may be people's different people's accounts of their interactions with the divine and the supernatural and the unexplained that may be the case for some of the things in the bible so that's just my uh opinion though it may or may not be the case but for the, for you to say that all of it is god talking doesn't make sense uh, even by the text itself verse 24 and the fat of an animal that does that dies naturally and the fat of what is torn by wild beasts may be used in any other way but you shall by no means eat it. So you can use the fat for fuel and other things, whatever you may use it for, um, tools and uh, preserving stuff, uh, other things, other articles like polishing, I guess. I don't know, but it's uh, um, manufacturing type stuff. You can use it for any of that stuff, but you can't eat it. Um, but it says... Um, dies naturally and the fat of what is torn by wild beasts so that means even if the animal died on its own whether the animal died on its own or was attacked um just as life attacks people it attacks animals too by other animals sometimes often by people but even by animals but whatever the case may be you can't use the fat of it um so i wonder why it specifies those because does that mean that there's some other animal that it is okay with uh Oh, maybe if you kill it for that purpose, you can do it that way, I guess. But the fat, again, is supposed to be the Lord, so it seems unlikely. Oil of lamps, that's what I was thinking. Verse 25, for whoever eats the fat of the animal of which men offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats of it, eats it, shall be cut off from his people. So again, you get cut off if you eat the fat. So you're cut off if you're eating butter, for instance. Verse 26, moreover, you shall not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, whether of bird or beast. Now, that's a good, very good idea, especially with uh, birds. I mean, you know about bird flu, almost certainly. You've heard of it. Um, avian bird flus and uh, mad cows and now COVID. Those things are passed through oftentimes. The other things are through um, blood and fluids. And in the case of COVID, COVID, it's fluids also, but it's micro drops in the air um, and other ways that it's passed. So not dealing with the blood of animals is probably an excellent suggestion and idea. Um, although some people will still eat meat rare with the bloody juices right there in it and still consider themselves uh, living by the whole Bible. It's hip hypocrisy after hypocrisy when it comes to Bible thumpers. Uh, verse 27 whoever eats any blood that person shall be cut off from his people so it makes it clear whether it's animal fat like butter or whether it's your bloody steak you're not supposed to be eating it if you're abiding by the whole bible old testament and new 
it's off limits. And you can't say, like I said before, that, oh, it's okay, it's okay in the New Testament because Paul, for instance, says all those things are perfectly acceptable now. Well, that's not what we just read, that these are perpetual things forever, that you're supposed to be doing them uh, from generation to generation. So why in the world would a Lord who's the same in Leviticus be the same in after the book of Acts if... Um, and be forever and consistent if the Lord changes and changes and changes with these food requirements. And this, these, by the way, are not even the first time that these dietary restrictions have popped up. They popped up at least two or three times already so, uh, where it keeps changing. First, it was a vegetarian diet, as we'd say in modern English. And that's in Genesis, the very first chapter, the very first book in the Bible. Uh, chapter 1, verse 29, 30, 31. Make it clear. It's green stuff people are supposed to be eating, uh, not animals. Uh, yet, and then it changed to, oh, you can eat anything that moves. So that's not these restrictions. Well, what kind of animals and what parts of animals you can eat. And yet, that's supposed to leave, supposedly the Lord giving that uh, command or freedom or privilege to also eat that um, then. And then it changes again now. But then it changed even before then, even before now, to other things that you can't eat and can eat. And so that's just not consistent and doesn't make sense with a society that says the Lord is unchanging. The Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's nonsense if you're going to believe that it's the same Lord from Genesis to Revelation. I don't believe that. But um, believe what you want. Verse 29, speak to the children of Israel saying, he who offers the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. So now let's move on to the next thing, the peace offering. Verse 30, his own hands shall bring the offerings made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring, that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. So when it's saying wave the breast, it's not talking about a chicken breast that it, that's being waved. I believe the peace offering was a ram, so it's like a different type of goat, basically. If I recall right, I could be wrong, but you can look back and see for yourself if you want to, since if you again, if you're living by the whole Bible, you need to look back so you can write these things down and be sure to start doing them. Um, but it's saying here um, that that one's to be way before the Lord. So the priest is offering it and he waves it as, the same way you'd lift something up in prayer, sort of symbolically. Um, that's what it seems to be talking about is to be done as part of the ceremony. Um, let's see. Something about putting his hands. I'm just going to go back on. Oh, maybe not. I thought it said something about his own hands. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the priest is offering to the Lord. His own hands shall bring the offering made by fire. So um, it sounds like this is when the priest himself feels like they want to make an offering so before we were reading about when the people make offerings so this seems to be to me when the priest wants to make an offering to make peace or trespass or whatnot verse 31 and the priest shall burn the fat on the altar but the breast shall be Aaron's and his sons so uh, when the priest is making an offering like this then um, the breast whatever animal it is um, is to be shared among the other priests, the Aaron and his sons. That's who they are. Um, 
So sounds a lot like communism. They're using everything in common among themselves, but they're using the society to get it. So it's like a mix of communism and what it's not socialism since the people aren't getting to take part in these in at least eating the offerings only the priests are it's the people bringing the offerings almost like the taxes so i don't know sounds among the priests they're having communism one gets to share in it with uh them all except for oh well depending on what the offering is verse 32 also the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. So specifically that cut of meat also, the right thigh, is to be given. Again, does this really seem like what the Lord would be focused on, what God Almighty would be focused on? And I guess given, uh, keep calling Aaron, calling Moses up or uh, to keep telling him this? Verse 33, he among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering and the fat shall have the right thigh for his part. So specifically the right thigh the priest gets to have. And I guess that's because of the story in the uh, previously in Genesis where one of them, one of the forefathers supposedly wrestles, physically wrestles with the Lord, according to the narrative. Again, the New Testament says no, you haven't seen him or heard his voice, but the Old Testament says they even wrestled with the Lord. So uh, in the wrestling, the Lord, the human, according to the narrative, got the better of the Lord. So the Lord had to sort of cheat and touch his hip to make him limp in his hip. Um, in the I think it was this right thigh and the right hip um, to make him stop. Uh, prevailing over the Lord in the wrestling match. That's according to the narrative. So again, if you believe that is the Lord, then believe what you want. Uh, but how can you say you believe that when the New Testament says something else? Um, if you're a Christian, it just makes me wonder. Um, so anyway, verse 34. Um, uh, this is a good one. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering... I've taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings and I've given them to Aaron the priest and his sons from the children of Israel by a statute forever. So again, it's forever. That means you're supposed to be doing this even now today, modern times, 2020. You're supposed to, I'm sorry, 2022. You're supposed to be doing these things even now because it says it's forever. And um, so why aren't you doing that? Why isn't your holy place doing that? And if your holy place is doing that, wow, I think I'd like to go see him doing it, especially when it's talking about making animal sacrifices and sprinkling the blood all around the altars and all of that. That'd be something. I don't know if I want how close I want to get to it, you know, for physical safety's sake. But that'd be interesting to see people still actually doing these rituals um, in modern times and what kind of results they get, um, and if they are interacting with what entity they're interacting with. Verse thirty-five. This is the consecrated portion for Aaron and his sons from the offerings made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priests. So it, it's the narrator basically letting us, letting us know these are the um, regulations and things that the priests were given when Moses uh, called them an assembly of them and told them this is what the Lord would have them do. 
Uh, verse 36, the Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel on the same day, day that he anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generation. So, again, they're supposed to be doing this even now in modern times. And, of course, every church, I, I haven't been in any church that does this, but it wouldn't be churches necessarily that's doing it. It's this uh, a branch of this religion that would be doing it um, that's not Christianity. Um, but it says this we so supposed to be doing it forever throughout their generations. That's perpetually. And yet, why aren't churches in a God-fearing Christian nation like America doing it? Verse 37, this is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations, and the sacrifice of the peace offering. So those are the different offerings and, um, and how to handle them and how they are to be offered and enjoyed, consumed, barbecued. Verse 38, which, is, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So um, it's giving us the part of the world where this happened in that whole Mount Sinai. Um, and it's letting us know that Moses gave out these commands when he got them. It's saying on that same day. So it can't possibly be talking about he got all of these when he got the Ten Commandments. Uh, he got a menu of how these things are supposed to, a cookbook of how these things are supposed to be. Uh, I guess it wouldn't even be a cookbook. It'd be more of a, a grocery list of what the people need to bring for the barbecue. Um, but it's what it says, and we're just reading it. Uh, well, we were, because we just got to the end of this chapter. I appreciate you checking this uh, the Naked Truth out with me uh, with this reading and I hope you'll join me again. If you're interested in past readings, you can hear them on this platform, on Spotify, on Anchor, or on my platform, hungtgirl.com if you're an adult. And click on the links, the pictures there um, and find out all about me, your humble messenger, and the Naked Truth um, readings we did there. You can read along with me the gospel readings that we have there and see how different what Jesus says uh, is from what we're even reading here today um so much focus on the diet and the menu and the food and even the fat and yet jesus doesn't get into any of that for us christians thank god it'd be tough to live with all that without butter alone could you imagine so uh anyway you can get those lessons there you can read along with me you can make a donation or you can just just enjoy the free content i thank you for all of the above and hope you stay safe god bless you Thanks again. I love you and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.